Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning, City Life. Work. When you hear the word work, what do you think? Is it like a swear word? Four-letter swear word, work, right? Typically, come on. Or it's followed by a bunch of swear words for somebody. I remember going to church many times on a Sunday night, um, get done with service about 9 p.m., and then reality would hit that I have to work tomorrow. And it pit my stomach like, oh, the good times are gone. And then Monday morning comes, and you, you, you pick yourself up off the mat and... And thank God for guys like Eric Thomas that got, thank God it's Monday material out there so we can start to shift our perspective. But for most of us, we're not thanking God it's Monday. We're like kicking something that it's Monday. And then by Wednesday rolls around, okay, you start to shake the dust a little bit. Here we are halfway through. And then here comes the weekend and we are about to get lit for Jesus and get excited, all right? And that's what happens. And then you repeat. Repeat, repeat, and you just feel like you're on this endless rat, you know, just this constant hamster reel that you're just like, what am I going to do? Am I ever going to be delivered? I've got many work experiences. You might have some too. You know, some of my work experiences have some not so beautiful moments. At 16 years old, I remember when I was cleaning cars for my dad's dealership, and and then they found me in the conversion van. This is 1996, and they, you know, uh, I'm in the conversion van. It's got like the nice super cool seats and uh, you just lay down and next thing you know like it's so nice in there the only thing you would do is naturally fall asleep right and so naturally they find me falling asleep right in the middle of work and I'm boss's son and that wasn't a good moment from one of my work days and I just continued this pattern of like what is work about what is the purpose of it wasn't really motivating to clean cars. It really wasn't motivating to sell cars. It really wasn't motivating to sell copiers. In fact, sometimes I'd find myself just crying in a car like, this is not what God made me to do. And it's because I never had the vision of how God sees it. I was looking at work for the monetary reward, which is give me a paycheck. I was looking at work to somehow, you know, just, just appease the people or just pay the bills. But there is a divine design. There is a divine tune. There is a divine purpose when we think of work. And we're going to elevate and rise above to see how God sees work. And I believe it's going to be so captivating over these next four weeks that that it's going to change our perspective. Not I have to, but I get to. And yes, it's going to be hard at times. And yes, it's going to be painful. And of course, it's, it's like the easy place to land. Like, okay, I see the effects of the brokenness of sin, and of course that trickles into the job, and, and, and so we just need to save souls, and, and we have this huge divide where, where there's, there's, there's godly things in life, and then there's just the life that we have to do. There's, there's sacred, and then there's secular. There's things that God loves that are special, and then there's these things over here that he doesn't really care about. That's kind of how work feels sometimes. Well, I've sat down with so many people that have looked at me in the face that, that make so high income, that, you know, six figures, some of them maybe even half a million, some of them multi-millionaires that look me in the face and they say, wow, what you guys do is just amazing and it's changing the world. And I can't help but pause for a moment. I'm like, what you do is amazing and is changing the world. Yeah, but you're, you're saving souls. And I'm like, yeah, but you're interacting with people every day. You're felt victim to that small but subtle but very, very damaging lie. That work isn't sacred, that God doesn't care about it, that it's only this that's sacred, and this is the only thing that God would care about. 
It's a lie. It's a bait from Satan to get us distracted, to not make us how we were created to dominate, to rule, to constantly be working unto the Lord, for the Lord, through the Lord, and, and mining and developing and creating just like the Lord. And I have believed that bait over time too, many times. I've taken it. That lie that says this, that, um, that once I get to pastoring or once that I'm, I'm out ministering more, that it will be more important. And I'll tell you what, I'm ashamed to say I've missed probably some of the most beautiful moments along the journey getting to the destination. Because now looking back, it's so easy. Hindsight's 2020. There's certain people I don't get to see anymore when I worked and I had a different type of rhythm to my week that I got to sometimes actually minister in a different capacity than I ever. And you may say, well, well I just fold envelopes. I'm not talking to people. Or I, I, I work at Bridgewater and I'm, I'm getting parts ready for GM. Or, and, and I'm a computer programmer. Like, what does my life matter? And I'll tell you this. Take the lid off this morning. Because I'm so grateful that somebody worked in a plant to make this laptop that we could write sermons on that could help us grow in Christ. I'm so grateful for the person that delivers mail that allows me to get sacred mail that is sent divinely from God through people and that is used by God and then I can open up things and then sometimes I just, you know, I'm not excited about the bills, but I'm excited when I get that nice car, right? And that is constantly what is happening in this world. There is a lie that is to say your work is not important, but your work is so important. Even the smallest of work. One, because God sees it all. Two, because he created you to do it. But three, because there is an Eden-type work in every single thing we do that is glorifying God. Now, of course, there's evil work. And hopefully that we would be captivated in the weeks ahead. And if you're a part of some evil work, maybe you just got to change that. So if you're part of something that destroys humans, destroys the image of God, we got to change that. There's a book that's heavily influenced this series. It's called Garden City. John Mark Comer wrote this, and this book is uh, powerful, life-changing, and it's not like the self-help book that's just going to get you excited to work. It's a book that teaches you how God views work, and it inspires you and captivates you from God's original intent. That his original intent, when he created you, when he created me, when he created all of this, that we would work, that we would rule, that we would keep it, and that everything we do would glorify God and that we would be with him, and that work is good. And so it's going to be a beautiful time. And we got to think about the bookends of the Bible, okay? So the bookends of the Bible, it starts in Genesis, and it ends in Revelation. In Genesis, it's in a garden, and then in Revelation, it's a city. Why does it start in a garden and then ends in a city? Well, there's some common things, uh, themes that, are, that take place in both of those settings. God, people, together with God. But the setting changes a little bit. Garden, city. God has been orchestrating and divinely setting the course of the existence of cities since the very beginning. And we think we got to get back to the garden experience. Well, the garden experience is delightful, beautiful, but God has a garden 2.0 coming an eternal rest with a city, with gardens, that we will rule, that we will reign with him. And as we look into the beginning, we're gonna actually be studying and resting in Genesis 1 and 2, but we gotta go to the end real quick just to get a glimpse of where we're all going because between the garden and the city is a boatload of work. I'm talking a boatload of work, a hard, grueling work. Grueling work, inventing, 
struggling, toil, striving. Sometimes crops not being there when you go to harvest them. And then literally your whole family might not live and exist anymore from all of your hard work. So there's a lot of pain in between. But here's where it ends. Check this out. Then I saw chapter 21, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Jerusalem throughout all of scripture is where God, uh, it's, it's, it's literal and it's also figurative of God's city, God's presence, God's ideal setting, New Jerusalem. So there's a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Anybody went to a, going to a wedding this summer or went to a wedding already, right? Like, think of a bride and the husband in that moment. This is the supernatural one. This is us fully being restored with Christ Jesus. It's going to be beautiful. Adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. This is awesome. The dwelling place of God is with man. Now, we preach the good news of God for all eternity into heaven through Christ. And the opposite of that is the bad news that those not in Christ would be separated from God for all eternity, hell. And so there's debate over exactly how hell will, will manifest and what it'll exactly look like. Will it be fire? Will it be this? And the, the, uh, when you boil it all down, here would be the bottom line to hell. God's not there. God isn't there. Is there anything more frightening than God, the creator, not being there? That's enough. What is it like? Who knows? Who cares? I don't want to be there. I want to be with God. And thank God that he's rich in his steadfast love that he sent Jesus, that no matter what sin, no matter where you're at, where you came from, that the grace of God can be bestowed upon you and I, and we can receive it as a gift and be set free. So this is for those that have received Christ Jesus. And if you haven't received Christ Jesus, man, somebody, man, you got to wake up this morning and see Jesus been pursuing you a long time. This isn't some religious jargon. This is God's intimate love story with you. And if you've known Jesus a really long time, hopefully the good news has not gotten old because this is alive, this is fresh, and this is fun. So behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. I want to be God's people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall be there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the ending. That's the ending. That's the ending. Some of us will get there limping. Some of us will get there radically crying. Some of us will get there um, through a hospital, fighting a disease for a decade. But we will get there. It's going to be good. In the meantime, we got a boatload of work to do. But not because we have to, but because God orchestrated us to. So we're going uh, to look at the narrative of Genesis this morning. We're going to look at the historical truth of Genesis this morning. And uh, uh, just to kind of introduction to Genesis real quick, because we're going to go to Genesis 1. Genesis is both historical and it's poetic in a narrative. So a story that would captivate you. 
The, the beginning of creation was passed down oral tradition. It was passed down orally from people. And, 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 and so then finally captured here in the text for us to read and for us to grow and for us to know. And then every single detail isn't in there of exactly, okay, where did God come from? What happened before the garden? Why, why did he even decide to start creating people? There's certain things that just were not, um, there's just a mystery involved. And that's not a cop-out. I just know this. Humans have been around a really long time and we haven't solved world peace. And so for us to exactly know all about the cosmos and all about all the eternal things, I'm okay with not knowing that. The origin is so beautiful to me because it tells what God wanted us to know, that he created. Historically, he created. And that word divinely made in his image the only existence that bear the image of God on earth, humans. And then you see the fall and you see the effects as the story goes and, and that's what we're at and we're, and then you see all of it culminates to eventually come to Jesus because people are longing for a Messiah. We need a savior from this sin. This junk's been destroying us and now Jesus has came and now we're preaching about him and we've been set free and now we no longer have to sacrifice goats and sheep and our and livestock, but now we can enter boldly and proclaim right to God and talk to God and cry Abba Father like we'd be really close to Jesus but this is way before that and this is even way before the fall not way before but 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 before the fall because it's so easy to just pick up the story from the fall and so just be like okay well here's sin we're all sinners this is horrible you know life's crazy turn on Fox News CNN this is a joke it's all a joke you guys let's pull the lid off for a minute and let's go back to the beginning. We know the end. Let's go back to the very, very beginning and see what God's doing and see how he's doing it. And let's set that type of mood for what Jesus is up to this morning. So it's on the screen. We can read along here. It says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out without form and void. And the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, Genesis, there's this, um, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. It's, the Bible's awesome. And this is the Gospel Transformation Bible, and it has amazing commentary. So commentary is scholars and theologians for years and years and years that have put some information in here that help us understand this better. And so when, when I was studying for this series, not only did I use the Garden City book, but I, I looked on also... Uh, the Reformation Study Bible, which was R.C. Sproul, so you can look up his material. And then also, maybe you wanna get this, the Gospel Transformation Bible, and this is so beautiful because all of the commentary, it points to Jesus. Because the great story, and this is kinda, of, this will make scripture easier for you to understand. It's all about Jesus. All of it, it's all about him. It's about his great story, it's about God displaying his perfect will manifested into his son. And that one day, we'll be with God, Garden City. And so there's some nuances in the scripture. There's some debate in the scripture. There's, there's different things that people see a little differently. But for the main parts, man, there's a consensus, Jesus. So check this out. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. We're seeing God works. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. You're going to see a theme. Remember good. And God saw the light and it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. The first day. That's where we continue. 
And God said, let there be expanse in the midst of the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that there was under the expanse from the waters. There was an expanse and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. So God's sequentially getting his rhythm down, working, showing us a pattern of creating as God. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw and it was good. This does something for my soul. You start to think of the world as good, not bad. You start to think of every component that's in it as good and not bad. It does something for you. How many people know you find what you're looking for? I remember when I used to be involved in uh, just crazy lifestyle. It seemed like trouble always found me. Every place I went, I found the bad person. But when I shifted and I changed, I started to see the good person. You maybe heard this quote like, the teacher presents itself when the student's ready to learn because the teacher's been there the whole time. Good has been there the whole time. In fact, good was there before bad. Good, everything. I love this because this frames exactly how we see work as we're gonna continue to see that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruits tree bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its own kind and on earth. I love this. It's even, it's, it's, the more I learn about science, and I'm not a scientist, so I mean, if you're a scientist, that's awesome. But one of the rules of science is that there's a constant and that we, we actually set uh, boundaries and how we study is that there is going to be in motion some consistency. And that, that worldview of consistency comes from divine order. And since there's order in all of creation, it points to a creator, right? Like you've never planted a seed and just thought randomly a different tree would come out of it. Like if you planted an apple tree, you would expect apples to come. And that's just because there's divine order, everything in you. You have a baby and it's, wow, it's a human, it's a baby. Divine order, divine order. I'm so grateful that there's divine order and everything you see, you see these glimpses of the creation. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I'm loving this. Because God is a worker. He's working super hard. And he's stopping. And he's saying, it's good. Look at it. It's good. It's good. He's up there with the angels. He's up there with the Trinity. He's hanging out. I'm not exactly sure what it's like, but I know this. We're gonna learn in the story that we're made in God's image so we can actually kind of get a little bit to understand what it's like. I've hung out with you. You've hung out with me. Maybe not me literally, but you've hung out with people. And so you get a glimpse to what it feel what this is like when you create and you reflect. You ever done a day's work and then you look back, you're like, wow, that was pretty good. It's pretty good. Felt good. Felt good. It feels really good to get out of work. Why does it feel really good to get out of work? Because we worked. And it was good. And it was good. 
And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And so it was. And God made the true great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. Think of a movie right now. It's kind of the, it's, it's, it's the, it's the imagery that's going on for us. We go to the movie, we're, we're captivated. And this writing was to captivate God's people, the children of Israel, to captivate them. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. I love this because this is referring to the sun and the moon. And it just, so, it just brushes about it so quickly because this is dealing with pagan gods as well. So people worship the sun and moon and stars, especially back um, in biblical time. I mean, then they worship. And, and, and the, the author here is just kind of brushing over it because it's brushing over it. Here's why. Because God's the trump card in the story that's going on right now. Not the sun, not the moon, not the stars. They exist under his authority and his order. And it's so beautiful that he is the origin of this. He's the origin of this. Check it out. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. I love it. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with the living swarms of the living creatures and let birds fly above the earth, above the expanse, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their own kinds and every winged bird according to its own kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and the morning and the fifth day. God's dominating, working, creating the heavens, light, waters, land, vegetation. And now you have life forms, but you still have no people. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kinds, livestock and creepy things, and the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground. Someone's disappointed that God made things creep on the ground. According to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Here's where it gets awesome. But I want to pause because it's so easy to inject ourselves into the story. That's where we love to live. Okay, well, how does this affect me? And I felt that temptation working on this series was, okay, well, application. And let's talk about how we rule and we dominate. And let's talk about how we can dream big and be architects, engineers. Let's be the best street sweepers, the best janitors under God. Let's go love this city like crazy. And I'm like, at the end of the day, it's kind of shallow if we don't actually see who God is as a worker. It's so beautiful because he's never asking us to do something that he isn't. 
It's so beautiful because the nature of who he is is he creates, he thinks, he orchestrates, he puts things in motion, he speaks and it's so and he reflects and it is good. Because how we view everything in this world will affect how you work. If we view um, the road as bad, if we view uh, leadership as bad, if we view you know, Apple technology as bad, Facebook, everything, he set all that in motion since the beginning then. Is God confused? Did he not know a city was coming? Of course he knew a city was coming. So how is a city gonna come? Here's where we get it on. This is what happens right here. Verse 26, this is where we start to come alive. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. This is the Imago Dei. This means that every single living person bears the image of God. Christians should be the most welcoming, forgiving people on the planet. Because we believe that God created everyone in his likeness. Every single person bears the image of God. City life exists to run to people and love every single person right where they're at. To seek the welfare of the city and then in the city's welfare, we'll find our own welfare that we'll go find people where they're at. Where are they at? Are they at the bar? Are they at the strip club? Where are they at? Like, let's go to them. Where are they at? Are they trying to gain wealth without God at the center of it? Let's go to them. Where are they at? Are they trying to be politicians without having Jesus as Lord? Where are they at? Because they bear the image of God. We don't come in like looking down on them. We come in actually, we're like, hey, we're just a beggar trying to show another beggar where we got the bread. We are people that have been set free and we're trying to help other people be set free. And so there's no condemnation when we show up on the scene. It should be constant elevation, raising people up to what they've been destined for. They've been destined to be co-creators with God, co-laborers with God, to be created in his likeness means all of that. And next week we're gonna be talking about what does it mean to rule? What does it mean to, to flex this power? What does it mean to come alive? Maybe you've never seen yourself like that. I'll tell you what, I don't see myself like this every day. I don't see myself made in the image of God. I see myself weak and broken and struggling and dealing with the same uh, sins at times and just anger and resentment and, and silliness and unforgiveness about, you know, someone cut me off and, and, on the road. And then next thing you know, it's just so many silly little things, right? When you're examining your heart on how holy God is throughout the week, but we're made in the image of God. Be set free with that thought this morning. And let them have dominion, this is really powerful. Some people take advantage of this. Over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This is why we get to dominate. Under God though, we have dominion. We're called to create, we're called to be artists, we're called to be workers, we're called to work. And it is good. So God created man as in his image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to him, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This is powerful because God could have done this. You know, you guys mind if I just sit with you guys real quick? God could have done this. That's what I find so intriguing. God could have done it all. He didn't need us. He could have made robots. In fact, the story of 
the origin of creation in the Bible is so different than other uh, origin stories of other gods because gods got so tired of their labor that they created humans so that the humans could do the labor for them. The story of the Bible is completely different. God was in love with people. He wanted to spend time with them, and then he actually wanted them to take dominion and create and be empowered and to be championed and to be modeling what he does and his likeness and he creates and that he works, and it is good. Completely, fundamentally different. So exciting, so exciting. What kind of God is this we serve? In the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth, we have dominion over. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed is on the face of the earth and every tree with the seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Okay, this is really cool for vegans because this is your, this is your apologetic. Vegans, like there's no animal eating here going on yet. None of that. None of that. So vegans, like this is your thing. In fact, this should be on your website. I love plant-based foods for the record. I drink a vegan shake. So I, when I say vegans, I, I'm including me in that for like one-tenth of my week. <laughs> Sorry. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and the heavens and over every living thing. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed is on the face of the earth and every tree with the seed. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given you every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything he made. And guess what? What did he say? That's good. Check this out. We're going to close here. Because I just think it's awesome that God is seeing things as good. And he's seeing me and you as good. And then it was evening, and then there was morning, and then the sixth day. We're getting the rhythm of how to work from God. Because we're going to see here on the seventh day, God rests. So God knows how to put in massive work. He knows how to reflect and say it's good. But he knows that relationship is key. So he creates us. But he wants us to be like him. So he sends us to have dominion and take it over and dominate and to rule. Rule not as one who thinks they're God. Rule as one who realizes the power they possess is from God. And we're going to close in chapter 2, 1 through 15. You'll be able to say you got your Bible reading in for the day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work and he had done and he rested on the seventh day. That's eventually where we're going to close the series. It's talking about rest. And from all of his work and all he's done, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. So it's expounding on how this creation looks. And then God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. Isn't it interesting that once we die, we're buried back in the ground? 
very place we came from. And the man became a living creature and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. Eden meaning delight. That's what we're talking about next week, delight to rule. In the east and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made the spring up every tree and is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and it became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. This is key. You gotta see that there was gold. This is important because it's starting to show that there's resources in the earth that God knew that we would make roads. He knew that we'd have jewelry. I love it because it's starting to give some perspective to work. He knew that people would be constantly working in a factory, feeling like they're not doing something, but that they would hopefully shift it to an Eden perspective. And the gold of the land is good. Bedellion and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows out of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Here's the last verse of this morning. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Friends, this morning, we haven't even talked about sin. We haven't talked about pain. We haven't talked about any of that yet. Why? Because Genesis starts with showing us that God works and it is good. And we are created to work and it is good. It's that beautiful. It is that simple. That God works and it is good, and we are created to work and it is good. So at its core, before the effects of sin even begin to show up on the scene, we got to rise up, we got to start to see how God saw it, that our jobs can be good. That everything we do can be good. That God wanted us to work and to keep it and to subdue it and have dominion. And man starts to go on and man actually starts to name creatures. Have you ever done that with your pet? You named the pet? That's exactly what was going on. Name it. Wow. Wow. I love that God works because now my motivation is not you. My motivation is not me. My motivation is not money. My motivation is not how uh, we can look at something as spiritual and then something as non-spiritual or this is sacred and this is not. My, 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 now my motivating factor and hopefully your motivating factor is that God works and that it's all good and that he sees it all, and that he created me to work, and that is good as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you for uh, your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for breathing life into us. I thank you that you intimately care and that you've created us in your image, every single person. And the enemy hates that, and that's why he works overtime to destroy people. He works overtime to get us 
entangled in nonsense and he wants to discourage us and he wants to rob our identities and he wants to lie to us constantly in our ears and telling us we're not worth something and telling us we're not good enough and we're not important enough and our job doesn't matter and, and we don't have hope and we don't have significance and that we will never measure up to the dreams that are in our heart. And I today, through the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ, ask for you to set your people free from the lies of Satan they would see that they're made in your image. They would see the beginning. They would see the origins and they would see that you work and you created them to work and that's good. And for some of us, we, uh, maybe some people here, they, they don't even have a job. They don't, what does that work, what does work mean? Work could mean a lot of things. You could work in prayer. You could work in encouragement. You could work in cooking. Everything we do, we pause and reflect and say, it is good. So give us a new glimpse over these next few weeks we have as we dream big, as we think about what does it mean to work unto you, to be co-laborers. Like, that's just a, such an awesome thought, that we are co-laborers with the living God, the one true God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the work you've done in my heart regarding work. And thank you for the work you're going to do in many people's here, in their hearts, regarding work. To free us from what the world says is work and start to show us on how you see work. Thank you, God. We pray this through you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.